Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kaya, and I talk about how you can start, run, and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called Making Tech Choices Don't Add Risk to an Already Risky Business. Let's get started. As technical founders, we're supposed to choose the technology that works best for us and our business. But we often let the cargo culting around the newest and hottest tech stack get to us. Many technical founders see a new startup as an opportunity to figure out a modern tech stack. And that's a dangerous move. Not only do you have to deal with the inherently hazardous nature of creating a new business, but now there's also the chance that the new and mostly untested tech stack might not be able to solve the problem you're trying to solve. The central question of choosing one particular technology over another is this. Will you be able to use this well for a long time? So there are three components to this question. Your technical aptitude as a founder, your ability to use the technology for your particular purpose, and how you can minimize the chance of having to replace it later. Let's look into each aspect in detail, starting with how compatible you, the founder, are with the technology. I call this the founder technology fit. When in doubt, stick to what you know. If you've built your last four projects with Laravel, the chances are that your business might benefit more from you getting up to speed quickly in Laravel than spending three months figuring out how to learn a different programming language like Golang or something else. With new technology come new paradigms and best practices, and it takes a long time to assimilate all of this information. So stick with what you know. When you look at a tech stack or a service, ask yourself if you're able to evaluate it properly even. You may know a lot about building SaaS tools, still you might not have the expertise to judge whether a particular database will perform better for the specific kind of data and query logic you'll need for your service. For some technologies, you can run a little experiment and others will need to be used for more extended periods of time to develop an understanding. Best really is to ask fellow founders about their experiences with any particular technology that you don't have any personal experience with yourself. Because you need to be able to effectively evaluate something. And if you're not in there, if you don't know the details of it, it's kind of hard to do this. And as a consequence, it may be tempting to choose to learn a new technology. And I think for as developers, we're always in that kind of boat. We want to really understand things that is supposedly um, the tech that is supposedly the best perfect fit for your project. And in rare cases, this is actually the right course of action because the fit is just too good to be ignored. If you're building, I would guess, like an IoT system and you need time series for devices all over the world, well, obviously, you might want to look into a time series database at that point, right? It's not that you need to necessarily because other databases will do the same thing, but maybe there is just a lot of overlap there. But in most other cases you're overestimating the technology and underestimating your own skills. If you can code using one technology, you'll be able to build almost anything using the knowledge you already have, and that will be your advantage. You can jump right into building the product without needing to learn anything new, and that is just really, really important. So that's uh, the founder technology fit. So let's talk about the purpose technology fit. That's the second thing particularly with newly available technology, you'll often see only the happy path. 
the use cases that technology has been developed for and tested with. This can lead to blind spots in your evaluation. You just don't know what hasn't been discovered yet at that point, right? The unknown unknowns. Over time, these solutions will encounter edge cases and performance problems, which will eventually be resolved. But it's likely that you don't want to be the one discovering these problems and having to wait for a solution. That is, in some way, why mature technologies are usually a better fit for bootstrap founders than new ones. You don't have a team that can deal with this. You have to do it, right? So take the things that you can be sure that all the edge cases have been ironed out or at least encountered by other people before. The more specific a technical solution is, the more likely it will not be optimal for any usage pattern that lie outside that particular niche of usage. So over-optimized solutions might look appealing, but the moment your business requirements change, you might be left with a technology that is unwieldy and unable to do the job. Uh, Let's maybe bring back the example with the IoT program or the IoT app that you're writing and a time series database, right? That that is a great idea. But if you build a business that needs to adapt to the market and you need at some point to integrate that or build another product and all you have, your whole data is in a time series database that does time series well, but nothing else, you're going to have a problem. So you might want to look for something that enables you to do what you want to do, but doesn't lock you into that. And for data storage systems like databases, I always uh, recommend using tried and tested systems like Postgres or MySQL, unless your business absolutely needs a different kind of storage. Postgres has been adopting the right parts of the NoSQL movement and time series databases over the last few versions. So there's no need to experiment with systems that may not scale well in production. And you know that Postgres will scale well in production because it's being used all over the world by large businesses, small businesses, all different kinds. You don't want to encounter performance bottlenecks because the system you're using has not been used at a specific scale, the scale that you need before. And I've learned to look at generalists in this case more favorably over time. I'm not talking about one-size-fits-all solutions here. I just mean the kinds of technologies that have evolved from their edge case only use um, towards more adaptable products. Redis, for example, is a generalist in the specialized niche of caching solutions. Most of the time, you can recognize these kind of generalists by the simplicity of the interface they offer. The more it looks like a collection of simple building blocks, the better. And I've fallen into this specialist trap before. When we started Feedback Panda, I was looking for a cloud hosting provider capable of orchestrating Docker containers. Not too complicated, but I thought the big cloud providers were not specific enough with their hosted Kubernetes offerings. So I picked a small infrastructure startup that promised to allow interacting with Docker containers through their dashboard and graphical user interfaces instead of having to use command line calls. And I was thrilled and set up a production system on their platform. And for a while, it went well. But then their service experienced a few problems. And those little hiccups turned into full-on outages that lasted for hours and at one point a day. And I had no choice but to move our production system onto a major cloud provider overnight. And ever since then, that system has run without a second of downtime. And the more generalist option of a cloud-hosted Kubernetes turned out to be the more stable choice. And it turned out I could integrate the command line calls much better into our release pipeline than the clicks on dashboards and interfaces. So that was a learning that I had with with our deployment and production system. 
And going with a generalist solution might require more work on your end initially. And I had to set up a lot of Kubernetes configuration and learn that stuff. But that only took me like, what, half a day? But that will also reduce the number of surprises that might wait for you in the future. Often the generalists have many very different users and therefore have to build systems that can handle a lot of different ways of being used. This results in resilient systems that can be made to fit and to fit individual purposes without making it harder for users that use these things differently. Let's talk about the third thing after the founder technology fit and the purpose technology fit. Let's talk about technology durability because that is also really important. One of the worst things that can happen to a SaaS business is when a crucial part of your tech stack breaks away. At a later stage of your business, it's brutal. That is a risk that you can never fully get rid of, but you can minimize it. And to be on the safe side here, choose popular technology. Many developers using a certain framework or a stack will mean that more bugs are discovered over time and that this kind of software is often very well maintained. The best way to quickly find out if a particular piece of software is popular is just to look for documentation and educational resources. If there's a lot of tutorials, blog posts, and the technology seems well-documented, at a first glance even, it'll likely be around for quite a while. Because if people put effort into that kind of stuff, it is built to last. Look for vibrant community as well. I've noticed that in the Elixir Phoenix community, developers were super engaged. They loved spending time on educating other developers about the intricacies of this functional programming language and the ecosystems. A lot of people were building really, really stable open source projects around database integrations and payment integrations. And you can see that the community really cares about using that technology and the community that is vibrant, that is discussing a lot of things and sharing a lot of things is a really good indicator for a durable piece of technology. When you're new to a programming language or just not as advanced as you need to be to solve your problem, you'll have to learn the lay of the land, right? Before you can dive into building your product. What are the libraries you'll need to use for certain parts? What are the best practices? And why were things done the way they're done? And you learn all of this very quickly if there are excellent educational resources provided by the makers of the technology and if the communities that form around it are willing to help people out. And let's get back to maturity. We talked about this just earlier. It's an essential property of good technology in my mind. If people have been using something for a few years, you can expect it to be reliable, mostly bug-free and performant, both for low and high usage patterns. They're often good indicators for the maturity of a technology. And this is feature completeness or perceived feature completeness, I guess. The ability to integrate with other solutions and workflows and uh, just the breadth of use cases that it's been tested in. For databases, you'll find that there are some tried and tested options like Postgres that I said earlier, which has been around like ni- since 1996. And it's being used in businesses of all sizes like Netflix or Spotify and Uber. If you find something like this, a mature product that is used by big companies, then yeah, you can definitely go for it. I made the mistake of building a business on an immaturely selected database once, and I picked a fancy newly developed NoSQL database that was lauded for its real-time capabilities by the early adopters. 
And what I found out a few months into the development is that I really needed a relational database that was performant under a heavy query load. And all the real-time features were irrelevant when I noticed that the, this new technology wasn't designed to handle the kind of usage that our application required. I learned a valuable lesson that day that I carried into Feedback Panda. For your core technology, boring is better. In general, I would advise against learning a new technology stack by building a business around it because there are, there are two goals here and they don't align well. Building a stable business that will survive for a long time and learning a technology that may or not be a passing fad. You just don't know. So this extends to the services you use as well. Remember the Docker hosting startup that I mentioned above uh, that we had to migrate away from in a hurry? They exhibited another risky behavior. Uncertainty about the future presence of a service. At some point, after we had already migrated away, we received an email stating that they were shutting down the service with two weeks notice, urging all the current customers to migrate their products elsewhere. They had like a tutorial and everything, how you can get your containers and uh, the configuration files off their system. And then a few months later, we received another email stating that they'd found a new investor to help them restart their service. Now they asked customers to come back. And while this is ridiculously unprofessional, it was an important lesson for me because there's a real risk in choosing image services and technologies. And had I stuck with that, that would have been so much work that I wouldn't have wanted to do. So with that being said, let's look into a couple of guidelines to pick technology. Over the years, I've collected a list of attributes that uh, technology should exhibit to be a good fit. It doesn't have to have all of them, but if it misses more marks than it hits, it might not be the right choice for bootstrap business. You'll have enough work on your hands in serving a niche audience with a likely ever-changing problem. You don't need to worry about your tech stack at the same time. Uh, That's really important that you have this dealt with at some point. So let's look into this. Technology that you can use well for a long time has these attributes. The first one is it can be used to solve your problem. You can find stories of how other businesses have used this technology to fulfill a similar need to yours and... You can evaluate the technology without spending months of your time. Second, it's popular. You find a lot of resources and opinions about it on the web. There are books on the technology for beginners and experts alike. The third, it's surrounded by vibrant communities, right? There are forums, Twitter communities, whole Slack instances dedicated to the the technology, and they're active. Number four, it's reliable. You can find a lot of established businesses that use it in their production systems without too many disastrous stories. Number five, scalable. Small businesses and big businesses are using this technology. Number six, it's extensible. You can find a lot of libraries and integrations for the technology, and you can also find information on how you can get them to work. Number seven, it's mature. You can find a history of how the technology was adapted to fulfill the real needs of the people using it. Number eight, it's well-maintained. You can find recent and regular updates to the service, either in a change log or in the source code itself. People who report their problems are responded to and their concerns addressed. And number nine, it's replaceable. You can find alternatives to the technology that you can use in its stead should it become problematic or ineffective. So... 
if a technology you're looking at checks all or most of these boxes, use it. If not, look for one that does. If you do this for all the choices you will need to make, you'll end up with a very maintainable collection of technology that will stand the test of time. Finally, let's talk a bit about the constraints here. You won't ever make the perfect choice because you have limited visibility into the future. And there are two big unknowns in terms of this future. This is your business roadmap volatility and their business roadmap volatility. And by them, I mean the people who provide the technology that you're looking into. So when it comes to you and your business, you just don't know if your needs or requirements are going to change significantly in the future. Are you going to pivot completely to a completely different product at some point? Or will your product work the same way at a different scale? You can't really know this. So you'll be better off with a solution that allows you to do those things as well, or at least offers a migration path away, right? That you, you need to look for possible migration paths whenever you start investigating a product because every business wants to lock you in and you likely want to do that with your customers too, if you want to be perfectly honest here. But some will lock you in more than others. And all businesses understand to a degree that your desire to be able to migrate away is also one of the problems that they can solve for you. So pick the one that balances these things the best for your particular situation. And since we're talking about the services here now, let's take a closer look at their roadmap volatility too. Because when it comes to the services you use, you don't know what their endgame is. You don't know when they consider themselves done, what their final stage of the business is. And you don't know if they will just move up market and leave you behind. And it's hard to find that out because they won't tell you. There might be a roadmap or some sort of communication, but you can't rely on that becoming true. It's a promise that they don't have to keep. So in general, you'll want to make a good enough choice that when everything works out, allows you to build whatever you want. And when things don't work out, allows you to find a better solution and migrate over there quickly. You'll never know everything you need to know to make the perfect choice. I think that's important to understand. When it comes to picking tech, it's, it's always some sort of a gamble. You learn something with every choice you make successfully, right? validating your assumptions, and you learn even more with every mistake you make there. And in the end, all mistakes can be corrected. Even if you choose the wrong tech stack or a bad service that doesn't do what you need, it's not the end of the world. You'll just have to spend some time and energy to fix it. I've had projects where I had to replace the underlying database technology, and it was a lot of work, but it, it was a lot of work. That's what it was. If you had to do it, you did it in a week or two or a month, and then it was done and it was fine. It was a waste of time in some way and a waste of resources, but it was still possible, right? It's not a choice that will lock you out forever. Just make sure that there is a way out. That's all you need to find. So whatever you choose, you'll come out of it a better entrepreneur. So just go out and make a choice. Thank you for listening uh, to the Booster Founder Podcast today. I'm quite happy you did. You can find me on Twitter at Avid at A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me in the podcast, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and wherever you subscribe to the podcast. It'll help other founders and founders-to-be to find this podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. <laughs>